Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey gang, today's guest is rapper Sean Daly, perhaps better known as Slug, from the Minneapolis hip-hop duo Atmosphere. Together, we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the best day, taken from their 2010 EP to All My Friends, Blood Makes the Blade Holy. Arrangement-wise, the song has one chord progression throughout, and the instrumentation is rather sparse, which leaves all the room in the world for the lyrics, and the story that they tell. A story that Sean mentioned is autobiographical. Not necessarily what he was going through when he wrote it, but what he went through prior in his younger years. Sean used the term yellow to describe the track, a term I'd previously never heard of when discussing music, but his description is spot on. Atmosphere has an eclectic catalog, hinging on what I'd term experimental hip-hop at points. The best day is awesome, but this song isn't indicative of their sound as a whole. These guys can go deep. For all this and a tip of the hat to Al Jarreau, don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, Sean, how's it going? It's great. How are you, Chris? I'm good. It's a it's a pleasure to uh, meet you across the internet here, across the wire. You know, I've been researching a lot and, and certainly have heard uh, of Atmosphere over the years. But when I dove in to what you guys have done since forming in 1996, talk about prolific. Uh, 12 studio albums in 10 EPs, and you're still out there doing it. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. When you, when you word it like that, I'm I'm like, oh man, jeez, I'm tired. <laughs> no, I, I I have a word for it. My listeners have heard me say it. You're a lifer, and I back that. You know, I, I'm a lifer. You know, not everybody can live out of a suitcase and do what we do. It's uh, you know, I don't care that if you have the best accommodations, and you and you can you can attest to this. It's just nothing will beat your own bed. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, you know that's 100 true. It's a uh, 
it, it's funny because when I meet younger people who are like, hey, give me some advice and give me this and that. And it's like, it's like you always want to like say something inspiring, but you also want to say something honest. And oftentimes those two things can contradict each other depending on the mind state you're actually in in that sure. moment when they ask. And so one thing I always try to say is like, hey, I, I want to tell you congratulations and you have my condolences because it's a <laughs> it's a heartbreaking art is a heart breaking career to chase, you know, it's a heartbreaking journey. You know, I've always kind of, you know, associated rap and hip hop kind of with, with punk rock, you know, they kind of come from the, the, the same place lyrically. A lot of times, you know, the, the, the hip hop and the rap, they would just, you know, pick a place like an abandoned laundry room and they'd throw a show and punkers would do that. How was it for you coming up in Minneapolis? What, what was that like in the early days? In Minneapolis, there was a lot of groundwork that had been built to, to create quite a, a DIY and independent, self-sufficient punk scene that I knew nothing about until I got older. And so for me, I didn't have that opportunity to compare what was happening in hip hop in the city, in the scene, in, in the different crews to what was going on with punk rock until I got a little bit older. But for me coming up in hip hop, it was very um it was very separated. Everybody was separated into their own neighborhoods, you know, especially because mm -hmm. you're kids and all you got is a bike and you're not really you're not like driving, you know, you're not gonna ride a bike from South Minneapolis over to St. Paul to see what's happening and see what kind of breakdancing is going on over there. You know, so it's, <laughs> it, it was very neighborhood oriented and there was no hopes or ideas of like throwing shows from from my beginnings it was just about getting props and, and and getting recognized in your own school by you know oh that that kid can break dance or that that kid writes graffiti or that kid can rap or that kid does all of it you know what i mean it was yeah. like, and it was an identity thing you were connected to it and you heard it and related to it based on i think what your upbringing was like cuz cuz a lot of early rap spoke to um, upbringings around the world, not just the Bronx, like where it was born, you know? So, so, so interestingly enough, that neighborhood in the Bronx in the South Bronx created this voice that resonated in all urban environments across the country, across the world, you know? And I think because of, you know, a, a couple of golden rules, which is, you know, don't trust the cops. They're not here for you. They're here to hurt you. Uh, don't trust the man. The man is here to 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 hold you down. You know what I'm saying? And and, and basically, you know, speaking to the black and brown youth of America, and then you know, people like me, because of the neighborhood I grew up in, also was able to understand, relate, uh, and, and translate, and, and and just feel that same communication and and so that's all we had as kids that and then and then radio radio would play the music but you didn't realize that there was like the opportunity to turn this into careers back then it, mm -hmm. it was not it, it wasn't even until later that we started throwing shows and even then it wasn't because we were like we want to be rappers full-time it was like we're doing this because we again want recognition and, and 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 props in our own city you know you just you did it almost at a competitive level of you know who's doing this who's getting it in who's who's getting known who could freestyle battle really well who's the best battler in town you know things of that nature did you feel any uh, segregation being a white kid going to shows? Was, was it included? Did you feel it was inclusive? Because I remember when Public Enemy went on tour with Anthrax in the early 90s, they looked out and it was just like a sea of white kids. And they were like, what? And, you know, they had pockets of people going off for them. But there was a time there years ago when when the scenes, you know, they were pretty separated. 
I never felt unwelcome in any of the scenes that I moved around in outside of competitiveness. And so there was that that type, you know, oh, you're from a different neighborhood, whatever. But but because I think, you know, because of the school I went to and the friends that I grew up with, I was accepted because I, I was I don't I don't want to say co-signed because that makes it sound like it was official or something. But it was just mm-hmm. like because of who I moved around. I was also accepted in that regard. It, it just was like, hey, this dude raps and writes graffiti, you know. But also, this is a, you know, Minneapolis is is a very, uh, like the neighborhoods were, 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 were more diverse, let's say. It wasn't like, you know, the white kids lived over here and the black kids lived over here. You know, it was kind of like a working class area, specifically on the south side where I grew up. And so hip hop, hip hop was a part of the area. So I think it was only natural that you would start to see a couple of the more paler kids joining in and, and, and breakdancing, graffitiing and, and what have you. But I didn't start to actually feel any specific like pushback from like a race space until we started to go national. And that's when I realized, oh, not everything is like it is in Minneapolis. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, you know, in Minneapolis, I mean, the inequities are far worse for black and brown people than for white people still just in just because it's America. But but there was a more of a mixed race kind of situation here. You know, they used to it used to be a joke that 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 Minneapolis was the land of 10,000 lakes. But really, it was the land of 10,000 brown babies with white moms because it was a very integrated family situation going on here, too. You know, it was like. I even believe uh, it was like a safer space for mixed race families to move to from 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 more southern states back in the day. It was kind of I don't want to call it a safe haven because that that's probably over overstepping what, but it was a safer space I think for mixed marriages. My father was mixed, and I know that my grandfather, my grandmother, they moved up here from Iowa just because it was safer up here than it was down in Iowa, and that's just one state away from me. What was the allure for rap and hip hop for you? You know, do you, what, what was the first band you heard and you're like, man, that's cool. When hip hop, when I first started hearing hip hop, I had no idea that it was anything different than disco or Earth, Wind and Fire. You know, I heard it in my dad's car. Uh, I was a kid and it just played on the radio alongside uh, other black groups on urban radio. So to me, it was just my dad's music. But when Run DMC happened, and I've said this before, when Run DMC happened and I saw my dad react negatively to being yelled at by these teenagers... That's when I was like, this is for me. <laughs> this, this, this is not my father's music. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's when I was yeah. just like, okay, here, I'm, I'm, I'm down with anybody that makes my dad flinch. That's, that's yeah. how I saw that. Yeah. With me, it was uh, probably a Slayer record or something my dad threw across the room. It's like, no, nah, uh-uh. And then the, you're like, well, that's what I want to listen to then. <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is looking back on it, I look at that event. Run DMC, that was an actual event in my life. And when, and I don't mean a show or anything, I just mean their introduction to my life is core memory stuff. And I also look at the, there was, not only did I pivot towards it, but I watched my father then pivot further away from just even exciting music. I think that when Run DMC happened, it was so traumatizing for him that he suddenly went and got into smooth jazz. You know what I'm saying? And so it was kind of like, it was a very weird moment between the the two of us for, for, for when hip hop changed to being a little bit more boom bap, a little more electro even, you know what I'm saying? I, I feel like that was when, when it got away from disco and got a little more harder with, 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 with what people were talking about and their actual, mm-hmm. uh, you know, delivery, uh, 
he went for like this more softer toned stuff, you know, like the yeah. The, He's listening the, to Al Jarreau. Al Jarreau, <laughs> man. I, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Late stage Herbie Hancock, you know. There you go. Well, this is this is really interesting that that you bring that up because we've had DMC on the show, and what a sweetheart of a man! What a incredible uh, person. Can't say enough about him. And what pioneers they were. It's no surprise you say Run DMC, but they were pretty tame compared to what happened. Now they weren't singing about oh, yeah. drugs. They weren't singing about gang life, you know, or anything that that, that was happening later. So it's kind of surprising your dad had that reaction. I don't even think my father was listening to the lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Like I think it was all about they were yelling at him. You know, who's yeah? <laughs> you know, and, and not only are they yelling at him, but it's like they're yelling at him over drum machines with you know. And so it was just kind of like I, I, my my father was that typical. This isn't music. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. kind of yeah. like yeah. And, and so it was just like, oh, yeah, well, it's not this for me then. This is all day, you know. We're not even seeing the fat boys too, but he he was okay with the fat boys because there was always some sort of like humor involved in in, in a lot of their music and their antics and whatnot. And and I think that he saw that as more of the 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 fad that the adults wanted yeah. to think that, that rap music was gonna be. You know what I'm saying? Like I think the fat boys were able to like sneak in by not scaring the parents, the parents were like, oh, this is that new fad. But actually the fat boys came in and they said a lot of stuff to us that resonated with us because they yeah. were actually rapping about stuff in between the dad jokes, you know? Sure. <laughs> well, uh, just to recap again, 12 studio albums, 10 EPs, your most recent album uh, just came out. Uh, so many other realities exist simultaneously. You guys have been out there just playing forever shows year after year and i gotta ask before we dive into the track sean i i hear you were invited by rick rubin in 2008 to work on the record when life gives you lemons you paint that shit gold and that's just to me crazy because you know rick (laughs) he kind of uh kind of started the whole thing with run dmc that story has blossomed into some sort of legend that sits on its own now. And I, and anytime I hear somebody bring it up, I always find myself like trying to correct it because I don't want it to like be wrong. Is that not, is that not true? It, okay. that, that's it. Well, it's there. Here's the story. Here's the truth. Rick showed up uh, at a show once in 2004, I think, or oh three. I can't, I can't remember. And he was like, Hey, he came, he told us great job. He expressed interest. You know, I was at the time, we were, you know, stage diving and moshing and stuff in our sets. And, and, and I think he saw the energy and he was like, hey, there is something to this. And so he invited me to come visit him at his uh, at, at, at his lair and said, bring what you're working on. I was like, OK. So I had four track stuff for an album that would eventually become an album called You Can't Imagine How Much Fun We're Having, and which was, I think, the precursor to Lemons. And so timeline, I think I visited Rick in 04. And uh, played a bunch of demos for him, which I'm pretty sure he wasn't super into any of them, but he kind of just did the Rick nod and smile the yeah. whole time. So <laughs> it was validating because he was like, hey, th- this stuff is great, but I could kind of tell it wasn't landing. And so I was like, okay, well, you're Rick Rubin. So to me, I'm like, whatever it is, let's figure out what it is, you know? And so I was like, let me introduce you to my producer and let's all sit down and, and have lunch or whatever. And he's like, yeah, so Ant, who's my better half, it's me and him yep. in an atmosphere. Yep. So Ant came out and we all went and had lunch and talked. And I think walked away with, um, he was such a, a, a super nice and understanding guy. So that when I was like, hey, this is kind of how I work. This is how I operate. And he was so cool and understanding about that. But also I could tell it wasn't how and what he, 
you know, he's Rick Rubin. He's busy. He's not going to have time to navigate all the little ideas I have. And so it just, right. it was not a thing that was meant to be in it, but, but more so it was like a mutual respect. Like I walked away from that situation going, wow, like I feel genuinely respected by this person, which is somebody that I think, I mean, that was another core memory, even though I was in my thirties at the time, it was a thing where it was like, that's what respect feels like. Uh, this whole time, up up until that point in this game, whether locally, nationally, internationally, no matter who I was around, I saw respect as this thing of like you receive it for your accomplishments or your act. It's an accolade. It's a it's a thing that you you get based on what you do. And he didn't. He respected me for who I was. And I feel like that was the first time I had felt that from another a, 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 a pioneer of this art that I'm trying to be a part of. Right. And that's why I brought it up because, you know, he would mention Run DMC and I, I had it in my notes here. I was like, oh, I got to talk about that. So, but just what, just what you're saying about the validation, I know exactly what you mean. You know, I've never seen Rick come in with a band and try to change that band. That's not what he does. He just makes them sound the best that they can sound. So the fact right. that he didn't say to you, well, well, yeah, let's bring in somebody else and, 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 and try to make this something that it yep. isn't. I think yep. he bowed out gracefully. Yep. No, it was it was really cool, man. And and you know, to this day, like I'll I'll fight you if you say something bad about that guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, again, tons of records, tour after tour. In 2010, you released an EP called To All My Friends, Blood Makes the Blood Holy, the Atmosphere EPs. And the song we're gonna talk about, The Best Day, comes from that record. And we're gonna jump into this song now and I got to ask you, just to start off, what do you think it is about this track? Why it's become kind of risen to the top as one of your most popular songs? Because, man, I've taken a deep dive into the catalog. You're kind of all over the map. That You don't fit one style. You can't listen to one song and say, that's indicative of the whole atmosphere sound. So what is it about this song? I, I have my ideas of, of why, why, but I uh, want to kind of hear from you. Why, why did this song kind of encapsulate what you guys do? Well, it's yellow. And oftentimes when we make songs that are yellow, they tend to be show like live performance faves. You know, they're ones that we get asked to perform. They're ones that people, when we do perform them, people sing along and they dance. People dance to the song and, and they don't dance to a lot of our music. But when we play this one live, people move to it, you know? And so I think something about the speed, uh, the fact that it's, that it's yellow. Yellow is a, you know, when you can provide a yellow song for some how is the best way to articulate this okay everybody knows how to paint with dark colors it's easy it's it's and, and everybody relates to dark everybody has that they have access to that feeling but when you can paint with brighter colors when you can make something out of colors that are a little those are more rare and so i think we all want those but we don't think that we want them we 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 we, we go for the darker stuff because it, it, we're brooding and we lost our love of our life and we're broke and we're going through it and we're rock bottoming and whatnot but but the truth is like you know i look at what kids like and kids love the bright stuff because they haven't quite figured out that the dark stuff is like that mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so so i do think that us being able to hit a brighter color like that which is pretty rare for us actually but when we do it tends to be the ones that people gravitate to and they want to hear live and and so i think a lot of this the success of that song particularly has less to do with us and more to do with what people are looking for which i mean ultimately is hope and that's kind of what that yeah. song is about it's a it's a song about hope 
and uh and, and it's and it's told in ways that are in relatable dark ways as a juxtaposition because the stories and the things that i'm speaking on are not necessarily like optimistic things but the bottom line is there's there's hope in the background you know what i mean and so so i can't really take credit for why people like that you know anthony can take some of the credit for that because he is the one that curated it to go in that direction with the yellow and the piano it, it, the original version of the song wasn't like that at all do you have a demo of the original version i have a demo somewhere of the original version but yeah there's a version somewhere of it when it's like uh it's more of a um new york kind of uh it's got a new york kind of feel to it especially what new york was doing in the mid 2000s um okay it's a little bit of like a a soul sample but but a a little a little tinge of optimism but also a, a, a tinge of like underlying soul and it was cool but it didn't hit the way this one hit. This version of the song ended up being the version because it almost sounded like but with the piano and the guitar, it sounded like the montage at the end of the mafia movie where they're starting to show all the different people dead. <laughs> like here's a guy in the dumpster and and you're slow-mo backing away of this guy who's in a trunk. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of vibe that the song ended up kind of having. And so we were just like, oh, this is way better, you know? Was anything sampled from another artist musically in this song, or is this all created by you guys? This one has no samples in it. This one was created at, at a time when we were also working with uh, live, li, live players here from our city. And so this one, yeah, and that's the other thing. The demo version was all sample. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't think so. Okay. Well, we're going to jump into the song right now. It's three minutes and 36 seconds. It's a 16 bar intro. Uh, the progression of this song is D flat, D flat seventh, uh, F sharp and F sharp major for the whole song. And that's the thing about rap. I think that's one of the main allures is it doesn't need to go anywhere sometimes. In fact, this song just has verses and choruses. There's no bridge departures. It's the story about what you're talking about here. The first eight bars, there's this cool chromatic like walk down piano part with bass stabs on bars one, three, five, and seven, continuing every other bar. On bar nine, the kick drum comes in, tambourine and shaker join the mix as well, and a super clean jazz sounding guitar is playing chords on bar 15 everything stops except for a little five note guitar lick that takes us into verse one Had a rough day, but that's life, it happens Woke up on the dark side of my mattress I guess I forgot to set my clock Overslept, almost lost the job Been to top it off, I'm kinda hungry But can't eat till I find my money It's in my wallet, but my wallet ain't in my pocket Can't remember the last time I saw it so is there a way I can get a recording of you breaking all that down? Because that you, it sounded like you, like you, you broke like a baker. Do you bake? <laughs> I, no, I really don't. I mean, I could probably bake some cookies if I needed to. That, but no, I'm not no, a baker. That was amazing. That was like that, like chemistry. Like I've never heard anybody say <laughs> anything about our music like that before. And so I would love to be able to show Anthony what you said. I'm gonna. Well, when it comes out, you could you could show him absolutely. That's, and uh, that, there it is. There it is. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's what we do here. We, we I'm gonna pick apart every nuance of this thing. We're gonna go through it. But again, I gotta tell you, it's the story of the song and it's your delivery. And there's some words and some things you say in here that just, you know, it's it's always for me when you imagine doing another style of music. For me, it's like, can I sell it? 
You know, if I tried to do this, I'd be laughed out of the room, okay? I could practice for a month, and I could kind of get there, but it wouldn't be what you do. There's a delivery and a flow here that's it's just, just incredible. I had a rough day, but that's life. It happens. Woke up on a dark side of my mattress. I guess I forgot to set my clock. Overslept, almost lost the job. And to top it off, I'm kind of hungry, but can't eat till I find my money. It's in my wallet, but my wallet ain't in my pocket. Can't remember the last time I saw it. I mean, you know, I, I come from the the world of, well, I, you know, prior to rapping, I've had lots of jobs and all of them had low ceilings, meaning to say that's what my future had for me. I didn't go to college. I did graduate high school, but I had a kid shortly after and I joined the labor force looking for the type of space that would give me overtime after 40 hours and some health insurance to help cover my kid. So coming mm-hmm. from that world, it's not hard to write about what you might see any given day on even a good day. On a, even a good day, you might be looking at trying to figure out how you're going to feed your grumbling tummy just to get enough calories to get you through that workday. And that's kind of, you know, that's that's that was not hard for me to draw from at that point because it wasn't that long ago prior to that that I was looking at days like that. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Was was this written? I know it came out in 2010. Was it, you know, something you had stuffed in a notebook for years? I'm sure you're always jotting down lyrics, or was this something freshly written then? No, I, I was freshly written. I'd already been, um, you know, self-employed for some time at that point, but I just had, I hadn't, I hadn't drifted so far from that point in time that I couldn't that I couldn't just look over my shoulder and still see it you know what I'm saying and so and so I was just drawing from you know my own human experience I call it the uh, the decade lapse. I've always felt that that artist lyrics if you look at them it's what happened to them 10 years prior that's what they're talking about now I like that I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're living in the now. It's hard to write about right now. Sometimes it's not. But, you know, for the most part, your best ideas, at least mine do, they come from reflection. Mm, I like that. Well, yeah, you have more perspective, too, when you're looking, you know, what do they say? Hindsight is 2020. Absolutely. They need to change that phrase now that we've seen what 2020 really looks like. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, halfway through where we stop lyrically here, that five note guitar lick from the end of the intro. I'm calling it a running theme here, Sean. It's like the hook of the song. That little thing, it happens over and over again. And, you know, since I started doing this this podcast, I've broke down hundreds of songs and I've listened to music like you have my, my whole life. But I've never really centered in on little things. And I've said it many times, my listeners know, but that guitar lick, you probably never thought about it when you wrote the song. Oh, it's just a little part there. It's it's a I'm calling it one of the big hooks of this song. It's the well, that is the Joe Pesci of this song. When I talk about how yeah. this is the montage <laughs> of all of the yeah. yeah, yeah. When this is the montage of all of the wise guys showing up dead all over all over New Jersey, this is that's 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 the Joe Pesci of that guitar lick. Can't remember the last time I saw it. And they don't want me in a bad mood. Afraid that it'll spread and everyone to catch an attitude They got them all singing the same tune Thinking I should go and start a fire in the break room Co-workers make me sick And the manager really ain't shit But I can't quit So I'm hiding in the basement Holding on to my face like fuck this place And they don't want me in a bad mood Afraid that it'll spread and everyone will catch an attitude They got them all singing the same tone Thinking I should go and start a fire in the break room Co-workers make me sick, and the manager really ain't shit. But I can't quit, so I'm hiding in the basement, holding on to my face like fuck this place. 
<laughs> who can't relate to that man the the <laughs> the boss the the manager really ain't shit i mean when i read when i was listening to that lyric i flashed back to working at wendy's when i was in high school just straight back let it be known there's no such thing as a manager who is shit all managers ain't shit and, and even the nice ones like they're still not shit and they should know that because the, the problem is i guess you know what they can break that wall if they recognize that they're not shit then if you're a manager and you know you ain't shit and you wear it on your sleeve and you're 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 transparent and with your peers and with your your co-workers then you're a cool ass manager other than that you ain't shit whoa let it shine whoa let it shine whoa let it if I hey we got lots more coming up with slug after a few words from our sponsors Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One's acting hard. Settle down. Barbecue in the backyard. The kids get treats and old folks get classic cars. And now, back to the show. Chorus one comes in at the one minute exactly mark. It's a double chorus. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit ago about the dance element. You see people dancing to this song. It's really, to me, when this chorus hits, it's like you're moving now. Not that you're not moving in the verses, but this chorus is just so singable. I find that a lot in rap. People, a lot of times you've heard this, you know, how many times all they do is talk or they're just rapping. It's not, you know, there's a lot of melody that sometimes goes on uh, placement of where, you know, you place the words. And I feel like this chorus is just is perfect. Every day can't be the best day. Do what you can right now. Don't hesitate. That's why we try to make love and get paid. Take the bad with the good. Now let's play. Every day can't be the best day. Do what you can right now. Don't hesitate. That's why we try to make love and get paid. Take the bad with the good. Now let's play. Hell no. Well, you know, in in rap specifically, and I'm sure this this applies to maybe punk as well. The chorus is a hook. We call it the hook. You know, I know other genres call it the hook too, but we really mean it. We need that hook to capture people who don't rap because oftentimes you you know especially i'm older so coming up when i was a kid if you listen to rap music then you probably also tried to rap it's just kind of how it worked and so for those of us that could rap we listened to rap music and we were analyzing each other's verses we were saying oh i oh i could do that or he oh i can't do that or i'm better than this person etc the hook was the grand equalizer for all of us because if you could write a good hook it didn't even matter if you weren't as good at rapping as the best rapper alive. If you could write a good hook, then there was a space for you here because you could communicate what you were trying to say. So so emphasis on the hook was big and it was always about like, what can you get somebody to want to say with you? Because that's the other part. You don't got to sing very good to, to make a great rap hook. You don't have to hit notes. You don't have to... You, you can do something that any listener can go along with you with. Now... Uh, Black Thought from the Roots. He raps so good that it's hard to keep up with him. Even though I know his lyrics, it's hard to rap along. When I'm in the car rapping along to his music, it's hard to keep up with him. Good. That's how it should be. But when you get to the hook, 
make sure you give people something that they can keep up with if you want mm-hmm. if you want a solid hook you know otherwise just do, sure. do what we do and go hookless we go hookless all the time because it's like oh now the emphasis is on the moment or the movement or the you know what i mean like but 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 yeah yeah sometimes i'll sometimes i'll ask an artist you know a, a rock band or a pop band or something i'll say did you ever think about you know changing up the hook at the last you know the last chorus like making it a little different just to, you know something a little different and i don't have to ask that here i know why you haven't don't change the lyrics sure, in the hook yeah. it's a rap song for this song it, it 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 didn't need to change and the lyric is every day can't be the best day do what you can right now don't hesitate that's why we try to make love and get paid take the bad with the good now let's play and each chorus is a double chorus so that happens again again same chord progression but a new guitar part comes in here and intertwines with a new piano part that's busier which moves this chorus along you know it, it, it it's Again, the same progression, but it feels like it's moving faster because of the moving parts. It's great. And I got to ask you, are the chorus vocals doubled, do you recall? Oh, at least. I don't remember. Okay. But I but I promise at that time, we're talking like 2009, we probably recorded that. And at that time, I was definitely going through a phase of doubling my choruses, uh, even still emphasizing some verse parts with... Well, I'll never call them harmonies, but I'll call them stacks. We would stack verse mm-hmm. parts just to yep. just to give punch and emphasis, or to 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 trick you into thinking there's movement going on that's not there. You know, it, things like that. Are those actual doubles like of you doing it, or like doubling yourself in the computer? And the reason I ask that because if you're singing with yourself here, it's it's tight. Oh no, they're actually doubles with me. I never learned how to use a computer. I know how to make demos now on my laptop, but I am you know. I'm not super tech savvy. I use GarageBand to record my vocals and then I will do stacks in my GarageBand, but I've never learned how to like use any of the programs to just literally double them. I was always afraid to, too, because then I'm, I'm afraid the engineer will be like, these are out of phase or something weird. You know, <laughs> or he'll use words that I don't yeah. really understand. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I keep it pretty basic, man. And if I can't do, if I can't stack it good enough <laughs> to make it sound right or good, then the trick or the not trick, but the thing Anthony would say is then it's not meant to be take the steps yeah. off you know i've always felt that you know a lot of times we try as artists like like the whole uh if we put more stuff here it's going to make it better that's not always the case right now to be fair you know while i take credit for doing these amazing stacks on this chorus on this song i'm going to keep it honest and say it probably <laughs> i'm going to just guess because i don't remember but it probably took a long long time to reach a space where I felt like I had three stacks that felt right. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, it was probably hit or miss. It was I'm not the kind of artist that can um, just pop into the, into the booth and, 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 and imitate myself perfectly because every time the emotion's a little different for me. I, 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 end up, I end up going all over the place. You know, I recently was taught a trick by somebody, uh, a friend of mine named Evidence said, oh no, you don't take a headphone off when you do your stacks? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I take one headphone off and then you're only hearing yourself on the left. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I never thought of that. So I tried it and was like, oh my God, it totally works. Because now I'm hearing myself on the right trying to imitate the left. And I can, f- I, if I miss it, I know I missed immediately. I know I missed it, you know? And yeah. so instead of taking a headphone off, what I do is I just pan 
the vocals to one side and then lay the stack in the center and then pan that one to the other side and lay my next stack in the center so that I'm always in the right. center of my head, but I have all, you know what I mean? And then you can kind of hear what you're doing the way you want it to sound anyway, you know? And we haven't really talked about stacks on this show. I'm, I'm familiar with the with the terminology, but for the listeners, uh, it's basically what Sean's saying is, is that uh, he'll do one vocal and then he'll be listening and it'll come up to that vocal again and he's going to repeat that line or that word, essentially forming a stack. He'll do another one. So there'll be two or three or four or however many vocals on that one part, uh, which again, your your <laughs> your stacking's pretty impressive because man, you don't. There's not many rubs here. It's really really tight. Personally, I think stacking is great for the production of the song. I think if you're trying to like give the song a little bit of depth to the sound, stacking is great. But I also do believe it takes away from the emotion. I think if you have a song that's about something that's important to you or is uh, you know uh, serious, I think that stacking actually adding that extra production actually takes away from the raw emotion of what that song could be. So I'm I, I'm now that. I'm older, even older again and older again. I, I've I've toned down a lot of my stacking. It's like I, I, a lot of a lot of the music nowadays. I, I let it go without any extra environment. Just my one shot, my one vocal through. Same same with the choruses. I'll do choruses now with just the one vocal because I feel like hey, there's something a lot more intimate about that. And so if I want you to come into the song where I and meet me in the song where where I want to be met, that's that's a better way of doing it. Well, out of chorus one, we go straight into verse two. Let's play. Hell no, I ain't going to school. The teacher's a jerk. He must think I'm a fool. And all the kids mess with each other always, all day. Class warfare up and down the hallways. And if you ain't popular, nobody talks to you unless they mocking you. Not even the bus driver or the hall monitor. I might as well climb inside my locker, huh? It's a bad day, bad week, and a bad month. Don't nobody want to trade with my bag lunch. Someday I'm a be so cool but for now i got cheap shoes so i keep losing girls give no love to a poor man it's a prison the clock is warding and it won't get no better when i get home so i listen to the voice in my headphones it say every day can't be hell nah i ain't going to school the teacher's a jerk he must think i'm a fool and all the kids mess with each other always all day class warfare up and down the hallways and if you ain't popular, nobody talks to you unless they mocking you. Not even the bus driver or the hall monitor. I might as well climb inside my locker, huh? It's a bad day, bad week, and a bad month. Don't nobody want to trade with my bag lunch? <laughs> That's the line, the bag lunch. I don't think I ever traded with somebody's bag lunch. <laughs> if they had a tuna sandwich, I was running, buddy. Man, I don't know if anybody in the world has ever traded. I think it's just it's, it's something that, that, that television created out of thin air. And we all are familiar with what it looks like when the two students trade those lunches, but I don't think it actually happens in real life. And so I wasn't drawing from real experience when I said that. I think I was drawing from the real experience of having been a kid that watched a lot of television. Um, I love that part of the verse. The thing that you just quoted is to me the best part of this song. I agree. Yeah, there's something about that that little turnaround there, using all the bad day, bad week, bad month, and then getting bag on a kind of a soft rhyme there with bag lunch. Halfway through here, I might as well climb inside my locker, huh? We get that five note guitar hook, uh, and I'm gonna continue on. I wanted to read up to bag lunch because uh, I just I, I love that line, but it continues on. Someday I'ma be so cool, but for now I got cheap shoes, so I keep losing. Girls give no love to a poor man. It's a prison. The clock is warden. Man, it won't get no better when I get home. So I listen to the voice in my headphones. And that line, it's a prison. The clock is warden. Like a warden of a prison? Yeah. Like the clock is the 
is what's is what's watching you while you're in the while you're in the yard. You know that clock is keeping an eye on you, and you're keeping an eye on the clock. You're always watching where that clock is at. Like is the clock is the clock there? Is it where are we at? You know. At the end of verse two, we get that five note uh, hook again. And I'm noticing here on verse two, I, w- I was intently listening for, is there more layers coming in? Is there something more? And verse two is pretty much, from what I can hear, the same as verse one. And again, a lot of times when you're deconstructing rock songs or pop songs, they'll do this build and some rap songs too, of course. But here it's about the lyric. You don't want a bunch of stuff overshadowing what you're saying uh, you know, with the story here. You know, one thing I'll say is too, if you take me off of this track and just created an instrumental track, it might not have had the same effect on the people who appreciate this track. But much like when I first heard this track, the effect it had on me was I want to rap over that. So I always knew this beat was super solid, even without any change-ups or progressions going on, even though it kind of had a second verse, just like the first kind of a, a thing going on as its theme. It had what I guess reminds me of um, a perfect kind of like DJ Premier production, where Premier would have a very similar thing. He he, It's like, look, here's the beat, and if you can... If you can crack the code and make magic out of this beat, then this is going to be a great song. And that is the type that's that's the type of hip hop music that I always tried to make. I wanted to make music that that reminded me of Gangstar, that reminded me of De La Soul. And and, and, mm. and, and what it is is it's like this. It's you're you're creating something out of nothing is kind of the mind state here, you know. And that's kind of what the the tenets of hip hop was founded on. You know, you, you did have people in the Bronx who literally had nothing, and they created what might possibly the, be the most powerful genre of music tool to, to take over the world in the last 50 years. I wish Gangstar was mentioned more often. They don't get enough credit. Oh, man, uh, easily. Guru had one of the best voices in the last 50 years of hip-hop. I, I think he might have the best voice that you've ever heard rap. Fresh out the gate again, time to raise the stakes again. Fat my plate again. Y'all cats know we always play to win. GNG to the stars, son. Haters took the shit too far, son. So that's all for you. I'm wiping out your whole team. Out, splatter your dreams with lyrics to shatter your schemes. The badder you seem, the more lies you tell. The more lies you sound, now by surprise you fell into my death trap. Right into my. There's a lot of great voices, don't get me wrong, but, but Guru might be the best. And DJ Premier might be the most influential producer in hip-hop of all time. You know, I mean, maybe neck and neck, him and Dre. Mm -hmm. Well, right off of verse two, again, no bridges, no detours in this song. It's just right into chorus two. We get a double chorus again. Same lyrics as the first chorus. Same instrumentation as chorus one. Every day can't be the best day. Do what you can right now. Don't hesitate. That's why we try to make love and get paid. Take the bad with the good, now let's play. Every day can't be the best day. Do what you can right now, don't hesitate. That's why we try to make love and get paid. Take the bad with the good, now let's play. I will ask, by this time in the song, was there ever any talk of maybe we should have a musical departure? Maybe we should do a bridge or, or something out of the order. Throw a left hook here, or was it always kind of the same that you recall? You know, I don't remember... That's that's possible because it's always something that is on our radar. We do have bridges. We do do things. We do change ups. We do pull something out or add something to. Specifically, if you make it to a third verse, is that's a lot in rap. I've said a lot of words at this point. In in rap, I yeah. I say more words in my first verse 
of a song than most rock bands say in a whole song if you just count the words. For you know? sure. So by this time, <laughs> you get to the third verse, that's the wrap it up verse. And with us specifically, oftentimes if you if you listen to just the third verses of our music, you'll hear these are the uh, moral to the story. Like, oh, here's the, here's the wrap it up part. So you'll have one story, then you'll have a second narrative, and then you'll have the wrap it together, get us out of here. I've always had a soft spot for rappers because, you know, for me to get great lyrics in a rock song, just one song, it like it takes everything out of me. I couldn't imagine having to write all the, you know, for almost every song that you write, you're telling these elaborate stories. It's it's a lot of information. It, ha- it has to all coalesce together, too. You really have to be the kind of person that loves to hear yourself talk to be a rapper, period. <laughs> like, you, you have to love the sound of your own voice. You know what I mean? Uh, and you have to feel like you got something to say. That's a funny thing, too. Yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot of, like, introverts who are rappers. Play. Can't dance with an upset stomach. The overdraft notices just kept coming. Somebody broke into the porch and stole a chair. Top of your head stopped growing hair. Broken glass, computer crash. The car won't start and the tires went flat. Dog got loose, brought back a dead cat. Daughter found it and had a panic attack. Can't dance with an upset stomach. The overdraft notices just kept coming. Love that line. Somebody broke into the porch and stole a chair. Top of your head stopped growing hair. Broken glass, computer crashed. The car won't start and the tires went flat. Dog got loose, brought back a dead cat. Daughter found it and had a panic attack. Is that autobiographical? Is that true? Your daughter had a panic attack with the cat? I don't have a daughter. Okay. Yeah. Nope, that was, no, that was not autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> that was not autobiographical. <laughs> okay. Um, right there at that moment, we get that five-note guitar hook. And was that ever talked about? Did you ever say, hey, this this has to come? Because it co- it's featured a lot in this song, or did it just happen? And, and, and how did it happen? Do you remember? You know, I think that Anthony likes turnarounds, and to him, that guitar note is the equivalent of a drum roll. Mm. So that five-part thing there, imagine that as a drum roll. And, and in hip-hop, yeah. you'll know, in, in hip-hop, a lot of it is really all about drums. Like, it's all, especially the, the, the rap music that we know and love from the 80s, the 90s to now, you know, James Brown is the backbone for all of that. And it was always about those James Brown drums. And so yeah. that guitar turnaround, even though it's a guitar... It's a it's a drum roll. It could have been a piano, still a drum roll. It's so it's all about bringing you back up to the one. And so just imagine, you know, a lot of producers that make rap come from a DJ space. And so for them, it is everything's on the one. We want everything to be on the one. So if I if I do anything that's off the one, it's still to emphasize the one somehow. That's awesome. Never heard that explained like that. That's that's great. Plus you ain't had sex in how long? Afraid to admit that the fire's all gone. The better half is talking about separate. You wish you could take it back to yesterday. You're not alone. It's hard as hell. But don't waste no time feeling sorry for self. We'll be right here with you through your war. Cause you're the one that we make this music for. Now turn it up. Plus, you ain't had sex in how long? Afraid to admit that the fire's all gone. The better half is talking about separate. You wish you could take it back to yesterday. You not alone, it's hard as hell. But don't waste no time feeling sorry for self. We'll be right here with you through your war because you're the one that we make this music for. Now turn it up. Now turn it up. <laughs> That's uh, the, the, the now turn it up is totally not necessary. That was my drum roll. That was me 
giving something to lead up to the one. And, I, and, and also because I knew this was the end of the song before the last chorus. I knew that even live, we probably would never make it this far. We, I, I, it's hard for me to want to do three verses of a song on stage when you only get you know 90 minutes or, or 115 minutes. It's like, let's get as much material as possible. So even when we perform this song, I can't remember. It's probably been a decade since I've made it to the third verse. We usually get to the second verse and figure out a way to parlay into something else that's going to keep the party going. Okay, that's that. That's interesting. Well, there's something here. You know, you talked about keeping the uh, the beat, the tempo, the drums interesting. I notice uh, on the line here, afraid to admit that the fire's all gone. There's a little hiccup that happens to the drum groove on that line. It kind of stops, makes you go, "Whoa, why there?" Uh, I. Was, it's awesome, by the way. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you saying that and noticing it. I have always been a fan of doing drum mutes. And so really that hiccup that you're hearing is a mute. And so I, I think uh, we took out a snare and one kick and probably a hat just to put uh, almost like a, a, a quick little stutter step. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it probably comes from jazz, but for me it comes from a tribe called Quest. Oh. Uh, Q-Tip, when yeah. Q-Tip would make beats, he would do a similar thing sometimes. And so... Anytime I can find a place to do that, I will. Um, the reason that it exists in the third verse is for the same reason why sometimes live I don't even make it to the third verse. It's in there because if we do get that far live, I want something to happen that I can use on some showmanship. So in a space like that, when that drum drops, you'll see me do something like stamp the ground or stand still or do something visually to go along with that moment. You know, and in rap, at the time we were touring with a live instruments, a live band was on stage with us, but also I tour with DJs. And, 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 and so in my head, I'm thinking if I'm going to be doing this with a DJ, we don't have as much control over the instruments. You're it's, it's linear. You're going off of two turntables, you know, a right and a left. Yeah. And so yeah. you work those types of changeups into the actual song pre so that if you are going off of turntables you can spin your instrumental and do your song and that stutter steps there and you can always count on it you don't have to turn around and fire a drummer for missing his spot it's just always going to hit where you want it to hit you know and and, and but I, I would say that i always look for those specifically in the later part of the songs um because it's an opportunity to do something from a showmanship perspective I love that. That's that's awesome. Well, the last line here, and you already kind of addressed it, that now turn it up, which is you called it your little fill there. That placement doesn't happen in the other two verses. And I noticed that it was really it's really cool how it just kind of happens there and it's and it's nowhere else. Again, I'm going to beat this to death, but you get the five note guitar hook again there before we get into chorus three. Four, and I turn it up. Every day can't be the best day. Do what you can right now, don't hesitate. That's why we try to make love and get paid. Take the bad with the good, now let's play. Every day can't be the best day. Do what you can right now, don't hesitate. That's why we try to make love and get paid. Take the bad with the good, now let's play. Love this outro. At the last line, we get the five-note guitar lick one more time that takes us into the outro, which is just shakers, bass, and tambourine for eight bars. On the eighth bar, we get the five-note lick again. I was wrong. It comes in again, followed by, and it's weird. I tried counting this. 
It sounds like the end's just loose with the piano playing by itself. It's almost like six and a half bars. It's jarring. It just kind of stops. I don't think it's on a grid there at the end. <laughs> it's, it's really cool, though. In my head, it's three and a half bars, but you might be right. I can't remember. But, but, but again, we use that live. And um, when that piano part starts, I stand center stage in the front, and I hit the piano note in front of the audience. And then on the very last... Oh, that's awesome. On the very last one, I hit it hard. And then I throw my hand up in the sky, and then on the mic I say, number one air piano player. And it's another dad joke, which I don't know why. <laughs> the whole song is kind of full of dad jokes, you know? And, and it's funny, because I've been dad joking now my whole career. It's just that in the day, we used to call it, you know, self-deprecation or yeah. sardonic humor. Now we can see it for what it really is. It's, <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've been telling dad jokes since I was like five. It just is what it is. Well, man, this was an absolute blast. I, I love this track, and I dove into a bunch of your songs. I, You know, you got some really, I would almost classify you guys as experimental rap at times. There's some wacky stuff going on. There's It's it's, it's very different. This felt a little bit more, I'll, I'll, I'll coin your term, a little more, more yellow, but I love the story that was being told here, and I wanted to break it down, so thank you. I appreciate it. And, and you know, we do try to challenge ourselves and push ourselves to go in directions to help us balance the fact that we also do make music that sometimes fits in a box and 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 that's intentional as well it's all about cracking codes and i think that most art is you you figure out how to crack a code or solve a puzzle to present an idea to somebody and and so sometimes you want to try and learn how to squeeze that code into a empty jar of peanut butter sometimes you got to learn how to like make that code into like a full-on tapestry whatever you know but but yeah. but we've we've tried it all man we, we we have tried to crack as many codes as possible and and it still is kind of the part that makes us the most excited to keep working is to to see what other types of puzzles we can solve that's awesome well i want to thank you so much for sitting in and before we break uh again got the new record out so many other realities exist simultaneously and is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with uh touring plans what do you got coming up this summer we're going to be out all summer with uh slightly stupid and sublime with rome and the movement um we're going to be uh running around a lot actually over the next year or so it's 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 almost frightening um but i'm really looking forward to it because at my heart i love to go record shopping and this always gives me the chance to come to your city and buy all of your cool records so thank you for having me man it really means a lot to be on your show uh and thank you for 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 breaking this song down i think that uh i i i you said things that that was good for me to hear because this is a song that we want to put on the set list for for this this summer and 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 just us talking about it gave me some some ideas so that's cool i appreciate you and on my 21st birthday already had my firstborn baby boy and maybe homie saved my life but papa kept the motor running i'ma come and see you later trying to color up some paper trying to make this right i realize most experiences are coincidental but i'll never let go of these regrets i hold that's why the pieces that were missing always felt more special better bring some bigger pencils to sketch my soul but yo when i was 30 Hey everybody, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Slug, but don't go anywhere. We got lots more Chris to Makes a Podcast coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's 
It's a new podcast series about how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that because rock stars, they tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with, the way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app and subscribe now. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via mp3 only and a short bio to band you might not know at gmail.com this week's featured artist is catholic guilt a five-piece band from melbourne australia that combine elements of punk alt rock and folk you can find their music on all the streaming services here's a snippet of their song live for the rush Chris and Chris. Chris, I'm glad we finally did another hip hop episode. They're few and far between. I think the last one we did was DMC. I thought this was awesome. I thought it was really cool when Sean used the term yellow. Now, I've never heard that before. That's the first time I've heard someone describe a song as yellow, but I knew what he meant the second he said it. It's just so descriptive. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, no, I I, I did too. And then the analogy he gave was, was even more left of center where I thought, I kind of thought he was just kind of, I don't know, maybe another term for vanilla or pedestrian, just kind of eh, whatever. But but uh, cool, cool description that he gave. <laughs> yeah, bright, colorful, makes you want to dance. And like you brought up, Chris, a lot of his music isn't like that. No, a lot of his music is on the darker side. So this is a departure for him as a song. And yeah, to a certain extent, it does explain why it would have maybe more of a mass appeal than than other songs. But at the same time, it still has 
his style of lyrics like the the lyrics it, it's he's talking about real stuff in there yeah no and and this is stuff that uh, he even agreed with me that you know when you're writing you're you're a lot of times writing of stuff that that happened to you many years ago because you've had time to reflect on it and process it and that sounds like what was happening here and he's just writing about you know day-to-day life what was going on to him and um those types of lyrics resonate because who can't relate to having a crappy boss i mean it's kind of universal Right. I mean, he said it. People want hope. And a thing that personally gives me hope, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, is when you can totally relate to the artist that you're listening to. When he's talking about working a 40-hour week at some job he hates, when he's talking about <laughs> some manager he doesn't like or, or whatever, that's relatable stuff. And the most relatable thing of all to me, man, which I think you're this way. I think he's this way. I know a lot of people I know this way. I can't work for somebody. (laughs) That's probably why at this point in my life, it's still, you know, to a certain extent, a struggle. But that's because I'd rather have less money and work for myself than work for someone. I can't have someone tell me what to do. Yeah. Well, there's also a believability. You've heard me say it on this show how many times, like, I I believe what the person's saying. And I even said it to Sean, you know, I I could go and practice this and try to rap it, but it it would come across as, uh, uh, I don't know, some some middle-aged dude doing karaoke. It wouldn't come off as genuine. That's not me. You know, I didn't come from that. I didn't feel the things that he was feeling. But when I'm listening to this, it doesn't sound contrived. Yeah. He came up loving that style of music. I mean, he's been at it. You said he's been prolific since... 1996? Yes. Is that the year? Yes. I mean, that's that's a long career. And um, yeah, and also, you brought this up. In rap, you really have to have something to say because you got to say a lot of stuff. In, in rock, sometimes we can get away with just a small set of lyrics and let the music do the talking sometimes. Not mm-hmm. always. I know Less Than Jake has some songs that are pretty wordy, but uh, in rap especially... You can't just go into a song and half-ass it. You really do have to have something to say. You have to have a point in that song or it's not going to be good. Yeah, I remember reading the uh, lyrics. I want to say it was the Marshall Mathers album LP from uh, Eminem. And it was like 30 pages of lyrics. It was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you have to have something to say. You have to have a story. And think of how many uh, just like rock bands and anything else how many rappers there are are out there and some just don't like anything else they just don't resonate they don't make it because you know their their songs don't have that it factor these guys uh, very storied career kind of all over the place when we got done talking to to Shawnee and mentioned that that they're going out this summer with Sublime from Rome and Slightly Stupid and it's one of the first times that they went out on a package in many many years they're, they've just been kind of coasting along doing their own uh, head shows and I, I think they're the kind of band on, on that specific tour that's going to go over uh, gangbusters oh they have crossed over to so many yeah different genres like a- also after you got off you guys were talking about how you were on the warp tour together in 2003 because they crossed over into the punk rock world yes yes they'll cross over into the sublime with rome and slightly stupid world as well they can go over with a reggae crowd they can go over with a punk rock crowd and of course with a hip hop crowd, of course. And I think that's really cool to be able to do that. You're going to appeal to all kinds of different kinds of people because they could take, could take away things from the music, be it the lyrics, being just the way it makes you feel. 
it has that crossover appeal is what I'm getting at. Definitely. For everybody listening, check out their catalog. Very interesting band. It's not cookie cutter. You know, you're not going to find another song that sounds exactly like this or they're they're really well-rounded in their craft and <laughs> geez, 12 studio albums and 10 EPs. They're they're very prolific as I said from the top. Just uh, very very impressive. I really love that episode, man. That was fun. It seemed like he had a fun time, too. I think he did. I'll tell you what else is fun. Our supporting cast at KristaMakes.com, where you can get bonus episodes. We call it the after party each week for the price of a cup of coffee. You can hear Chris and I talk each week about the episode at hand or whatever we want to talk about. KristaMakes.com. Please go sign up. And if you haven't already, please join the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. We'd love to have you. And give Chris Fafalius a follow on Instagram. Yeah. He wants your support. I have enough followers. Give Chris <laughs> no, Fafalius. Less than Chris D, too. Less nah, than Chris D. I'm, yeah. old I'm, old, I'm old hat. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to everyone out there for listening. Again, we love you guys. And I want to thank this week's guest, Sean Daly, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyle. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.